Good morning, Grace family. I hope you're doing well. If you can believe it, the fall season is upon us, and we've got a lot of exciting things about to start happening. Today, we will be getting to meet in larger gatherings on our patio at Grace, and also with the news of Orange County moving into the so-called red risk category, it looks like we'll also have some limited indoor options open to us that will really be helpful in terms of our our capacity limitations. And women's and men's midweek gatherings have started or are about to start. And we are so excited to be able to gather in a variety of these contexts. We're also going to be kicking off a new sermon series today as Dave will be teaching us through the first three chapters of Ephesians for a while. Ephesians is a sublime letter by Paul, a beautiful articulation of the gospel. And the first three chapters of Ephesians contain rich and deep gospel truths. I am so excited we'll be able to explore this together. With all that's going on in this world, it's easy to become consumed with what's wrong, to be preoccupied with the brokenness, with the conflict, and even begin to find our identity more in ideological camps than in Jesus Christ. But as Christians, there's so much more we can focus on and identify with. And that is our identity in Christ and all the spiritual blessings that are ours because of what Christ has done for us. These spiritual realities are so profound, they should color our whole world, our whole outlook on life. The lavish blessings that we enjoy through Christ are so far-reaching and eternal. The effects should provide us a deep, an abiding joy that transcends any hardship we face and overwhelms any trouble we may find in this world. There's a quote by Friedrich Buchner that I like that speaks to this. He said, What's lost is nothing to what's found, and all the death that ever was set up against life would scarcely fill a cup. I like that, and I think we can be susceptible to thinking small, resulting in small imaginations for God and His work in the world. As a result, the problems of this world can loom so large for us, larger than life. But God is a big God, and He's called us into a big life, a life that is lived in light of the spiritual realities we possess as His children. So this is what we have to look forward to in our series, and I'm really excited we get to do this. So let's go to our Father right now, this big God, and ask Him to give us a fresh understanding of who He is and who we are in Christ, so we can be the church He intends for us to be. Will you pray with me? Father, we come to You as Your church, and we acknowledge that apart from You, we can do nothing. Lord, you know us. You know what we need right now. Rescue us from our small-mindedness. May we gain a better glimpse of who you are, a big, big God, who is intimately involved in running your universe and comprehensively involved in growing us up. May we receive the gift of knowing you better so we can trust you and love you more deeply. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
So we're going to be in the book of Ephesians this fall, and today I'll be reading from Ephesians 1, 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his children through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we who were also chosen have been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. So as Mark mentioned, this fall we're going to walk through Ephesians 1 through 3, and we actually did this 10 years ago. 10 years ago, 2010 fall, we went through Ephesians, and none of you remember that. I don't remember what I said. I'm not even going to look at what I said back then, but we're going to do it again this fall, and I'm really excited to do this. And really, you know, this summer we focused really horizontally on our relationships with one another, and so it felt right this fall to now focus vertically on our relationship with God and who He is and, and what He's done. And I just think right now there's so much going on in our world, obviously, so much to think about and focus on. And what we need to always be doing is fixing our minds on the Lord and focusing on Him and all these spiritual realities we have in Christ, not as a way of escaping what's going on, but as a way of grounding ourselves so that we can then navigate this world from a place of centeredness in our God. And so... We started with this passage today. I know that was probably a lot to try to take in, and we're actually going to have uh, about a month to walk through the verses you just heard Christina read. So don't worry, we'll get to it in time. But today I want to just stay with a couple big ideas in this passage to kick this series off. And really this, the, the sum of this passage is in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So really, the big idea of this passage is Paul is praising God because of all the ways 
that God has blessed us in Christ. And over the next few weeks, we'll look at some of these blessings. But let me just mention to the, mention them to you this morning. First, we have in verse 4, the blessing of God the Father who chose us to be adopted as his beloved children. And now we stand in that place as God's kids and he loves us and he chose us to be his kids. And then in verse 7, we have the blessing of God the Son, Jesus, who gave his life in order to redeem us, in order to bring about the forgiveness of sins. And so now we stand in this place of no condemnation. We are forgiven free and clear of everything we've ever done, everything we, we ever will do because of God's Son, Jesus. And then in verse 13 and 14, Paul talks about the blessing of God, the Holy Spirit, who has marked us and who has sealed us for eternity. We are now filled with God's own presence and he, he lives inside of us as our constant companion and he guards us and he seals us in the midst of all the challenges of our lives so that we will reach that eternal destination that God has in mind for us. It is this the blessing of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in our lives. And really all of that blessing is beautifully summed up in verse 2 in the greeting of verse 2 where Paul says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. That really sums up these blessings. It's all about grace. We stand in God's unmerited, undeserved favor and love and approval. And we now have peace with God. We're not alienated from God. We're not enemies of God. We have reconciliation. We have a peaceful relationship with him. And because of that, we can live with this peace within our hearts. So all these spiritual blessings, grace and peace. And what I I hope happens for us in the next month, I just want us to appreciate how blessed we truly are. Like every day we wake up in the midst of these blessings. Whatever's going on circumstantially, we wake up as deeply blessed people in Christ. And so we're going to celebrate that this fall. And what I want to say today is what I love about these blessings is that they are COVID immune. You know, like like COVID doesn't change any of these blessings. And they're immune to, to sickness or to governments or to relational conflict or to cancer or to unemployment or to financial difficulties, right? All those circumstances of our lives, these blessings lie underneath all of those, none of those things can change these fundamental realities. And so I hope that we can can sink deeper and deeper into the reality that we are so blessed because of all these things that God has done. As Paul says in verse three, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. So we'll look at these blessings in the, in the next couple of weeks. But what I'd like to do for the rest of the time this morning is to focus on uh, two questions. First, what is the source of all these blessings? And then finally, what is the goal? What's the end game of all these blessings? And what you're going to see is it's all about God uh, from start to finish. So first, let's look at what is the source of these blessings? Uh, you see it at the end of verse 5. So in verse 5, he's talking about how God has predestined us uh, for adoption as God's children. And then you have this phrase at the end of verse 5, in accordance with his pleasure and will. And then in verse 9, he made known to us the mystery of his will 
according to his good pleasure. And then verse 11, in him we were chosen, having been predestined, according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. So in all three places, you you hear him saying something like, in accordance with the pleasure of his will, in accordance with the will of God. So all that say, the source of all of this, and it, it kind of is obvious, but it is in the will of God, meaning all these blessings that we have are there because this is the way he planned it. This is the way he willed it. He thought it up in his mind to give us all of these blessings, and then he enacted that plan for us. It's the source is in the will of God. But what I love about this, it's not just the will of God. Paul says in two places, the pleasure of his will. And I want, I want you to just think about what that means for a second, that, that God actually finds pleasure in this plan he has to bless us in all these amazing ways. God didn't just choose you. He didn't just forgive you. He didn't just fill you with his spirit, but he finds pleasure in choosing you. He delights in forgiving you. He finds joy in filling you with his own presence. I mean, it's one thing for God to do something for us, but it's another thing for God to love doing something for us, like to delight in it and to enjoy it and find pleasure in it. And so I just want us to consider for for a moment the pleasure of God's will in blessing us. And I've got a little story to tell you. So many of you know I have three daughters and they all share the same birthday. Okay? And they're not triplets. So it's, it's a statistical anomaly. It's a pretty amazing thing. And that means that there's a party just one day a year. There's a birthday party one day a year, July 21st, in the Gunlock household. And um, it's not like a huge party. It's usually just both sides of the family. And that's, that's a big enough party there. But um, over the years, we've had these different themed parties. And the girls get to play a part in what the theme is. So like one year, we had uh, a Star Wars Sound of Music theme, which I thought was a nice pairing. Um, We've had a Narnia theme, we've had a Legos theme, we've had an Incredibles theme. But what I'm getting at, I want to talk about my wife and the birthday parties of our girls. And I'll just tell you, my wife is not a planner, okay? She would not identify as a planner. Um, But she loves to plan these birthday parties for our three girls. And so there's certain presents that she wants, you know, to give them that are just the right gift for, for the right girl. Um, of course, there's the themes of the, of the parties. There's, you know, like an Aslan balloon to, you know, put in the backyard. There's fake snow to make in the, in the family room. There's decorations. And so long before the day comes, long before July 21st comes, a month or two before, she, is, she has a plan. She has a purpose. She has a will for this birthday party, and she spends lots of time enacting that will, right? She's online looking at presents. She's online looking at decorations. She's thinking and scheming and planning it. And what's so beautiful is I don't just experience her will in that or her plan. I experience the pleasure of her will. She loves to do it. She so enjoys planning for this party. And so sometimes I'll go to bed and I'll find out the next morning she was up till one looking online for, you know, just the right thing. But she's not regretting that at all. She loves doing it. She finds great pleasure in it. And she doesn't find pleasure in it because she loves to plan, because I know she doesn't love to plan. (laughs) But she finds pleasure in it because she loves these three girls. 
And so she wants this day to be a special day for them. And so every year I get a front row seat to the pleasure of her will in planning this day for her girls. And I think that is like just a small glimpse of the pleasure of God's will to us, that from eternity past, he had a will and a plan and he found great pleasure and joy in enacting that plan for us, the pleasure of his will, the pleasure of his will. And so I think what we need to do in this moment is we not only need to see ourselves as incredibly blessed with all these spiritual blessings, but we need to see our God as incredibly happy that he was able to bless us with all of these things. Like a father would be happy and find pleasure in blessing his children. All that to say, that is the source of all these blessings. It is the joy of the father. It is the pleasure of his will to give us all of these blessings. And then the other question I want to ask, and this is the one I'll, I'll leave us with today is, okay, that's the source the pleasure of his will. What is the goal? What's the purpose? What's the end game of all of these blessings? And if the source is found at the end of verse 5 in accordance with the pleasure of his will, the goal is found at the beginning of verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace. That phrase is repeated or part of that phrase is repeated in verse 12, in order that we who were first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And then at the end of the passage, end of verse 14, to the praise of his glory. So three times Paul uses this phrase, the praise of his glory. So apparently he really wants us to get this. This is an important thing. This is the purpose of all of these things. This is the end game. It is for the praise or to the praise of his glory. And let's break that down for a second. What is glory? Okay, glory, I love the word glory. It's a great word in scripture. Glory, I would identify or, yeah, sort of articulate glory as, as the outward manifestation of a person's inner being. So what I mean by that is when a person, who they are in their essence, like what they are at the heart, when that, when that is manifested, when that is seen by others, when, when that is shown, that is their glory. So in scripture, glory can have different connotations. Sometimes it has a connotation of like weightiness, like something that is substantive, that is weighty, that is substantial and legitimate. That, that can be what that thing is glorious. So we might like think of, you know, if you were to take a trip to the Grand Canyon and you were to just look out over that expanse and you would be experiencing glory. There's, a, there's just a substance. There's a, the sheer size of it that leaves you impressed. That's its glory. And, and you can use that same weightiness to talk about people. Certain people have a, a character, an inner resolve that is substantial, that is weighty, that is, that is real. And that is, that, that is their glory. So there's a weightiness to glory. The other connotation it has in scripture is the connotation of, of radiance, um, something that is shining, that is glowing. So we might think again in nature, we would think of the sun, looking at the sun and it it shines forth. It has a glory that is greater than the glory of the moon, right? And we could also say that of a person. Sometimes who a person is just shines forth. They're, they're radiant. They're, they're, their character is bright in this world. That is their glory. So when we talk about the praise of the glory of something, we're talking about when, when people actually see 
how great something is, how weighty, how radiant, how beautiful, how awesome it is, when people actually see that and they praise it, they celebrate it, they enjoy it, they marvel at it. So let me give you just an example from my own life of a time where I experienced the praise of the glory of something. The first time I ever went to Hawaii uh, with my family, I was in junior high, never been in warm tropical water. And I will never forget the first time I put on a mask and snorkel in whatever, 80 plus degree water. And I put my eyes under the water and looked down at this coral and all these fish. I literally could not believe what I was seeing. It was like, it was a completely different world that was always there right under the surface. But I, I, I couldn't believe it. Like I remember the, the colors, I, I literally thought like, there's no way these are real. Like someone painted these neon colors on these fish. Or where, where's the electricity? Like where are the lights? Cause there's no way this is natural. And I remember just being awed at the, at the diversity of life under the water, uh, the detail of life. And what I was experiencing in that moment was the praise of the glory of Hawaiian waters. And the truth is the, the glory was always there, right? It's always there, but I was experiencing the praise of the glory. I was seeing the glory for the first time and I was enjoying and marveling at it. That's the praise of the glory of something. And of course, the truth is our God is the most glorious person and the most glorious thing in all of reality. And so to experience the praise of his glory is to somehow actually get a glimpse of just how great and awesome he is, to actually experience him in some of the fullness of who he is and to respond with praise or gratitude or, or celebration or respect or awe or reverence. That is the praise of his glory, to delight and worship him, simply put. And I love in verse 6, Paul uses the phrase, the praise of the glory of his grace. And so there he's saying it's particularly God's grace that is seen as most glorious. As we look at all these spiritual blessings, the, the, the most probably fundamental quality of, of who he is that will shine forth is his grace. Just this unmerited, undeserved, lavish generosity to people who don't deserve it. And we'll see that grace and the glory of that grace and we'll praise him for it. All that to say, this is the goal. This is the purpose. This is the end game of all these blessings is for the praise of his glory, meaning that we would begin to experience the fullness of who God is and all he's done for us. And we would respond with praise and celebration and worship. And as I land the plane here, I, I want to suggest to you this morning thinking about that idea, the praise of his glory, that is why you exist. That is your ultimate purpose in life, is to live for the praise of his glory. That is to see and savor and celebrate him because of who he is. And I would suggest actually that is why not only you exist, but that is why the universe exists. That's why the whole story exists. The, the final end game of this whole thing, the telos of all of history is for the praise of his glory. And if you go to the end of scripture, if you go to the book of Revelation, you look at those last couple chapters, you realize that the whole thing is moving towards the praise of his glory where all creation is shot through with his presence and his beauty and the wonder of who he is and is responding in praise and worship. And so I want to leave you with that simple idea this morning that the ultimate goal of your life 
The ultimate purpose for which you're created is to live for the praise of his glory. And I was just thinking, that is so true. Like, I don't know if that sounds theological to you, but that is just true. And I was thinking, back in my life, the greatest moments of our lives are when we're living for the praise of the glory of something, right? When we're, when we're, we're lost in something that is great and awesome and we're just enjoying and celebrating. The greatest moments in our life are not when we're focused on ourselves and thinking about ourselves. It's when we're lost in some great glory, whether that glory is some amazing experience in nature like, like I had in Hawaii. Or it could be something as simple of, as, as a, you know, a big uh, championship sporting event that we're, we're part of and we're, we feel ourselves in the midst of this, this grand you know, competition. Or even just a, a wonderful night around a table with friends. Right? The, the greatest moments in our lives are when we're lost in the, in the praise of the glory of something. And all of those moments in our lives, whether in nature, with friends, or in various ways, those are all just glimpses, right? Those are just like hints of the glory of the creator himself who made us for himself. And so the ultimate joy and meaning and purpose we will find will be when we begin to see God for who he is and experience him and respond with praise and worship and and lose ourselves in the enjoyment of our God who so enjoys blessing us with all of these spiritual blessings. So I want to leave you with that idea and leave you with this question for the fall as we, as we move into the fall, which would be this. How can you live for the praise of God's glory this fall? Meaning, how can you set God before your mind, before your heart, and before your life? How can you take in all of who he is? How can you take in all these spiritual blessings that we'll be talking through in the next couple weeks and live in them and soak in them and live inside of those every day and then respond with praise and gratitude? How can you live for the praise of his glory? Then sings my soul, my Savior God to me. How great thou art, how great thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God to me, how great thou art, how great
Well, we hope that you've been encouraged this morning, and we invite you now to consider the reflection questions that we'll put on the screen. And let's just end our time with this great benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.